everyone, and welcome to the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting biblical theology to work in our everyday lives. My name is Matthew Kane, and with me, as ever, is our Practicology Podcast co-host, Mike Knox. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for making us part of your day as we try to help make the Bible part of your day. Matthew, in the last episode, you began to take us toward a theology of forgiveness, and you didn't finish the job. You're going to finish that today, right? That's the plan, Mike. This is part two on forgiveness and reconciliation. So to get the full picture of a theology of forgiveness, or a fuller picture anyway, of forgiveness and reconciliation, listeners should go and listen to part one, the previous episode. And in that previous episode, we looked at the need to reflect on our own forgiveness that we have received from the Lord. But then in light of Colossians 3 verse 13, we saw there is now a responsibility incumbent upon us as forgiven people. That text says, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So we talked about having a willingness and a readiness to forgive even towards people who haven't explicitly repented. It was sort of like a one-sided forgiveness. In that case, the forgiveness process can't be completed. Uh, because the offending party isn't ready to receive forgiveness, but I can still have a right attitude. We're sort of applying the principle of love your enemies and bless those who curse you to any relationship that I have. Yeah, you said something like, I can choose whether I hold on to resentment and let it fester into a bitter grudge, or I can abandon that resentment and just show them kindness. Right. We may not yet be fully reconciled, but I can still choose to adopt a forgiving disposition. And in this sense, with much grace from the Lord, I may find the willingness to forgive, even though there has not yet been reconciliation. Right. But now you are going to address the issue of reconciliation, correct? I am going to try. All right. Well, go for it. Well, our starting text is Luke 17, verses 1 to 4, where the Lord Jesus says to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin or to stumble. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So in light of that counsel in Luke 17 to rebuke the offending brother or sister, I want to start off with some scriptural guidance for when to confront the offender and initiate reconciliation when to confront the offender and initiate reconciliation. Verse three says, when your brother sins. Now, I don't think that means you should rush to point out everyone else's faults all the time. Yeah, I was just thinking that because scripture does say we need to be patient with one another, bearing with one another. And first Peter even says that love covers a multitude of sins. Love is willing to overlook the sin sometimes. Correct. And actually, Mike, I think we really need to keep that in mind these days in particular. Lockdowns and other changes in our lives have certainly increased tensions. Sometimes we are more stressed out and we get worked up about government restrictions and how local churches should respond. And there is more tension in a lot of relationships among Christians, and it can lead to some grumpiness, some opinionated outbursts. And we need to bear in mind that our brothers and sisters and ourselves are feeling the pressure at times. And sometimes we do or say silly things. So consider the circumstances. Be patient. The counsel of Luke 17 is not speaking to every little annoyance and infraction. All right. It's not like you should now take this and say to someone the next time you see them at meeting, hey, I noticed you didn't use the proper amount of hand sanitizer when you came into the hall there a few weeks ago. It really betrayed a total lack of love for your neighbor. And I just wanted you to know I saw that, but 
I'm going to be so gracious and forgive you for it. Or, you know, I remember still when you butted in front of me in the line at the potluck lunch three years ago, back when we had potluck lunches at the hall, and like that displayed a total self-centeredness, the sin of gluttony likely, but you know what? I'm going to forgive you. Isn't that wonderful? No, it's not so wonderful. I mean, there are things that we need to just overlook, and sometimes we need to grow up, but sometimes we need to confront. And the sin that requires confrontation is going to be a judgment call. It's going to require some spiritual discernment, the wisdom that is from above, which, by the way, is pure, peaceable, and gentle. But Luke 17, 2 provides a clue. In the English Standard Version, from which I read, it used the word sin in verse 2, but that's not the same word as sin in verse 3. Back in verse 2, it's the word to stumble. So he's saying, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, whoever becomes a snare to them. If someone's actions are stumbling someone and risk leading that individual into sin, then that probably needs to be confronted. Or maybe there's no third party involved at all, but what that sister said or did really hurt you. And you know that love covers a multitude of sins, and yet you're really struggling with this one. You are well and truly stumbled. It's weighing you down. You can't get past it. The relationship is hindered. It's not what it used to be. It's not what it could be. Then Maybe that's a good example where you need to graciously confront them about it to bring about reconciliation. Or perhaps it is something that you could get past, but you are concerned for the offender. If if this behavior is unchecked, what will it lead to? Will they do the same thing to others and hurt others? So for that brother's preservation out of love for him and your concern for others that may be impacted in the future, then you may choose to confront them. Yeah, I appreciate that you say it is out of love for him that we would confront him. Loving one another is a frequent command permeating the New Testament and very highly emphasized in the New Testament. And I've got to remember that must be the motivation if I'm going to confront a believer about their sin. And it just comes to mind, Matthew, uh, Leviticus 19, uh, never mind just the New Testament, but Leviticus 19 in, in that famous passage where it says we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, that in the context is regarding uh, confronting a neighbor about about his sin. Good point. And I think it's great when uh, I've got a friend and the text of Leviticus just springs into their mind in a moment. That's fantastic. But what you said is right. It's It's my love for them. It's because I care for them and I care about our relationship. That's why I want to seek reconciliation. And Mike, I don't know what you think, but uh, I have a suspicion that loving confrontation isn't one of our strengths. Conflict arises in a relationship in the local assembly, and we prefer to gloss over it and pretend that things are okay. We pretend that we've forgiven them, but really, maybe we're still harboring some negative feelings or a coldness towards them. And the coldness and the negative feelings aren't right. Better to be reconciled. I mean, hey, if we aren't reconciled, what are we? Well, we're separated. We're divided. Yeah. And where there is division, what are we then missing? We are missing unity. Yeah. And Psalm 133 says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So Matthew, would you say we should always pursue reconciliation, always being ready and willing to rebuke and confront any brother who sins against me? My answer to that, Mike, is ideally yes, but realistically no. Forgiveness is my responsibility or that willingness, that disposition to forgive. That's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to take time. 
And the other thing is reconciliation is a two-way street. Reconciliation requires the cooperation of the other party. And some people are very uncooperative. God wants to have everyone reconciled to him. He provides the basis for that reconciliation at the cross. He took the initiative. He invites people to be reconciled. He offers forgiveness, but some people don't want it. We should be like God in our hearts. We should desire reconciliation. Now, a few of the things that I'm saying today, full disclosure, I've gotten some good help through some discussions with Stephen Vance and listened to our brother on this subject. Maybe a number of our listeners have as well. He gives two questions to consider when we're evaluating whether to try and initiate and pursue reconciliation. Here's the questions. Is it safe and is it worth it? And uh, remember, we're not talking about trivial little things where we just need to show a little maturity and not take offense. I think that's a big thing in our Christian life too, being mature, leaving things with the Lord, not taking offense. But my point is sometimes we pretend we're doing that but we're really nursing resentment. Or maybe the issue just is something that is really much more genuinely serious. There's a breakdown in the relationship and we'd like to see it repaired. Should I pursue reconciliation? So question number one to address is, is it safe to pursue reconciliation? If someone has deeply offended you and shows no sign of repentance, there is a real possibility that approaching them is going to lead to more hurt Maybe they are just ignorant of the offense, but maybe they are being hard-hearted. And if approaching them is going to sink you into a further hole, maybe it's not safe for you right now. You could consider whether someone else may be able to intercede and initiate. You can pray about that. Just as a biblical example of a time when reconciliation wasn't safe, think of David and Saul. Saul sinned against David grievously, and David wanted to be reconciled. His, his heart was pure in that. But they couldn't be reconciled because Saul wouldn't let it happen. To approach Saul would have been to get a spear through his heart. It wasn't safe. But we can look at David's heart. He found grace from God to be ready to forgive Saul. His words and actions after Saul's death reveal that. He says that Saul was beloved and lovely and mighty. He shows kindness to Saul's descendant, Mephibosheth. So there was a forgiving attitude on the part of David, but reconciliation wasn't safe or possible right then. The second question, is the confrontation worth it? And that's a valid question because rebuking or confronting someone about their sin or their potential sin is not easy. And I can speak from experience on this one. It can really raise your heart rate. It's scary because you don't know how they will respond and you don't want to cause more of a problem. Remembering Proverbs 18, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. So it is hard, but I have seen change come as a result, and it was worth it, but it likely isn't going to be easy. A lot of things in Christian living aren't easy, and you need to evaluate whether the mutual pain that you may experience in that moment is worth it. Thanks, Matthew. This is uh, very helpful. You're, on the one hand, telling us we need to confront in love. And on the other hand, we need to weigh um, the possible pain and and cost of doing this, of trying to seek reconciliation. So having a forgiving attitude is a responsibility, but if I'm hearing you right, reconciliation may or may not be possible. That's it. Now let me suggest four guidelines for confronting sin and pursuing reconciliation. And again, I'm probably borrowing part of this because it doesn't sound like something I could have come up with myself, but a lot of Christian teaching honestly comes from things we've gleaned from others, so I think it's okay. All right, guideline number one, again, do it out of love. If you really enjoy rebuking people, 
just evaluate whether your whether your interest is genuine, whether it is really love focused and centered on the blessing, the spiritual welfare of the brother or sister. Do it out of love. Secondly, I should already have that forgiving spirit. If, if I enter this conversation or this confrontation with a chip on my shoulder, there is probably going to be harshness on my lips and that conversation will likely be unfruitful and likely harmful. So I need to check my own heart first. Thirdly, be strong in the Lord or the words of 2 Timothy 2, I appreciate so much. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Rebuking and confronting are not easy things. Sometimes it's needed. Uh, people don't have a right to bully other Christians around all the time and make the local church a miserable place to be, but it takes courage. So someone needs courage from the Lord to speak to them. Fourthly, proceed carefully. Maybe you initially raise it and you sense some real antagonism and no indication of repentance. Well, maybe you need to back off for a bit then. Timing is a big thing when we're dealing with issues like this. Maybe you hint at it. You sense a little bit of softness. You could pray about it further, raise it again later. The example of Joseph with his brothers in Egypt is on this point. I mean, Joseph was pursuing reconciliation, but he went slowly, carefully. He only revealed himself and pursued the next step after he had seen something of Judah's softness of heart. Then Joseph confronted them. So you can think about those scenes some more on your own and process that. But those are four guidelines to keep in mind. Hey, all of this challenges my own heart, Mike, uh, very much. I think we really need to be conscious of keeping a couple other things in mind. Again, I'm back to where we started in the previous episode. Rejoice in the forgiveness we have found in Christ. It was costly, but the heart of God led him to take that initiative and he's forgiven us through Christ's blood. Secondly, not only is being forgiven liberating, but so is forgiving others. So let me close my thoughts here with the words that we've read at our breakfast table over the last few days uh, from Romans chapter 12. Love one another. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Live in harmony with one another. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. If we all read those words every morning, Matthew, perhaps we would do far better at preserving the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Matthew, for bringing us these helpful thoughts and closing up this mini-series on forgiveness and reconciliation. Please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. <laughs>